Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. Great to be with you. Our theme today is clinging to gratitude or creating a culture of gratitude in the midst of disappointments and setbacks. And uh, this is such a, a core topic and it's such a wonderful time to address it. At least here in the United States, uh, we are about to celebrate uh, Thanksgiving, uh, which is became a national holiday actually during the Civil War uh, in 1863 when Abraham Lincoln declared it a national holiday. What's so amazing about that, we, uh, in the Civil War, 618,000 plus uh, soldiers were killed. And yet Lincoln uh, understood something about creating culture, wholeness, healing God to declare this national holiday. And it's been here ever since on the fourth Thursday of every uh, every November, uh, the country to celebrate Thanksgiving. Thank Canada has a similar uh, holiday uh, in October. Uh, but it's, it's a great uh, moment, and it has been for me, uh, every year pastoring because I would do a sermon on thanks, thankfulness. And so I ended up spending, you know, decades actually, at least once a year doing a, a fresh study around the theme of thankfulness and uh, really served me, changed my own life and, uh, uh, and, our, and our family. And so uh, I want to invite you not just today to listen to me for you because uh, we are the cultures we create. Uh, but I want to give you some specifics about how might, you might approach this uh, with your own uh, friends and family, uh, what it look, might look like to create a culture uh, with those you lead uh, as well, and actually talk about a couple of tools and ways to approach it. So let me invite you again to go to www.emotionallyhealthy.org slash church culture. It's a little document about a vision for a counter-revolution of how kind of cultures we create, want to create in our churches. It's a free little ebook. Again, emotionallyhealthy.org slash church culture. Because part of a church culture is, uh, is creating cultures of gratitude. In fact, one of the key tools uh, in the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship course uh, is, called, is called the community temperature reading. And the first thing we teach people in the first skill is to express appreciations. And I'll talk about uh, why that's so challenging and important and critical as part of our equipping of those around us. And it can be as much as we're going to gather with our adult children, son-in-law, uh, grandchildren on Thanksgiving, and we will do an exercise that I will share with you in just a few minutes uh, around, uh, again, creating a culture of thankfulness regardless of what's going on around us. So again, you want to check out uh, www.emotionallyhealthy.org slash churchculture and just the whole discipleship course to get a feel of what that tool might look like. So let's just dive into this. And, and let me begin with a bit of theology uh, before I expand out into some practical implications. So scripture is really clear that uh, we're to give thanks to the Lord. In fact, from Genesis to Revelation, you see this consistent, constant exhortation and command to give thanks to the Lord. So we see, for example, in the Psalms, Psalm 107, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. You know, sacrifice thanks offerings to God, it says in Psalm 50. So there were offerings of thanks. And it says, he who sacrifices thank offerings honors me and, and he prepares the way. It opens up ways of God as we give him thanks. You know, Psalm 95, let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. And you know, what does that look like? How do we do such a thing? In fact, David was so committed to creating a culture of thanksgiving that he, when the ark came back to, the, to Jerusalem uh, in uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 16, it tells us that he uh, hired and appointed singers 
to uh, minister before the ark of the Lord, and they were to give thanks uh, day and night and praise the Lord our God. I mean, it's just an amazing text. I want to encourage you to read it in First Chronicles 16. Uh, because David understood something about creating, again, healthy cultures, healthy families, healthy ministries, healthy churches. Uh, and as Romans 1 says, the essence of sin is a refusal to give thanks. And, 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 so, and so Israel had built in their culture three times a year these feast days, and they were times of celebration and thanksgiving. Uh, again, and, I, and what I appreciated, at least in my 26 years of being a lead pastor of, of, of our local church, was uh, an opportunity to actually create a bit of a culture. We take one service and actually did some creative things around Thanksgiving uh, to help people begin to uh, absorb and practice the spiritual formation discipline of giving thanks. I, I, and I love just finally this great story about Jesus in Luke chapter 17, where he heals these 10 lepers, uh, and but only one comes back and gives him thanks. Uh, throwing himself at Jesus' feet. And, and Jesus asked the question, he's incredulous, were, were not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? And uh, was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And the interesting thing about the story is that it's the nine believers, uh, Jewish folks schooled in Scripture, who do not give thanks, but it's the Samaritan who's considered the outcast, the despised, the, the, the half-pagan. He's the one who comes and gives thanks. And, and Jesus says to him, you know, go, your faith has made you whole or mature. And uh, again, a, a tremendous story and very convicting. And so, I, you know, I, it's just so easy to be a believer and be a constant complainer. Uh, in fact, if you look at folks who know Jesus and folks who do not, I'm not sure on a day-to-day practical basis, we see a gigantic change in, again, especially under stress and disappointment and losses between believers and unbelievers. And I think part of that goes back to us as uh, leaders equipping our people on a regular basis on what does it look like to be people who really cling to gratitude, even regardless of what's happening circumstantially around us. And one of the most famous sayings of Meister Eckhart, and I've talked about him in other times in this podcast, uh, and, and he said this, he wrote this in the, in the 1300s, if, you, if the only prayer you ever say in your entire life is thank you, it will be enough. I'll say that again, it's such a beautiful saying. If the only prayer you ever say in your entire life is thank you, it will be enough. Wow, love that, love that. So grumbling uh we find throughout scripture, it's fun, grumbling and complaining is fundamentally a refusal of what's given to you. It's a refusal to be present in the here and now. It's Israel was 40 years in the desert, constantly complaining. And again, some of us are in Christ and we continue complaining. And, and the question is, why is that? And I think, again, we underestimate grumbling, complaining, ingratitude, entitlement, how deep it is in us and how deep it is in our in the wider culture. I mean, Again, it's not uncommon for families uh, where just there's a complaining culture. Our, our, the neurochemistry of our brain is wired to complain, comparing, not being content, striving, envying. It's like Bart Simpson, that you know famous TV show where he said at dinner, "Dear God, we paid for all this stuff ourselves, so thanks for nothing." You know, some of us, it's so deep in our DNA this pessimism, and again, we learn it uh, in our in our families and. Uh, we think the worst in situations, uh, you know, what's going to happen. We think the worst in ourselves, I'll mess it up. We think the worst in other people. And we compare ourselves by looking around. 
I mean, my my um, my mom was I mean just just incredibly negative. I grew up in it, and I was amazed at how much it took me. Actually, probably it wasn't until my fifteenth, twentieth year as a follower of Jesus, and I began to look at my own genogram. I realized how pessimism is so deep uh, in my family of origin. I didn't realize how deep it was in me uh, because I'm a friendly, outgoing guy. I thought, oh, I'm a pretty positive person, always an upbeat, but really underneath. Uh, carry this deep pessimism. And so that's why this practice of gratitude has been so important for me, you know, as a Jesus follower. And then we have cultures that are just, we just don't have lack of gratitude. In fact, uh, it's been said by sociologists that the dominant feature of American culture is disappointment. Uh, Jerry and I, we've been in cultures around the world teaching EH discipleship. And as I said earlier, the the first skill that we teach in emotionally the discipleship is something called the community temperature reading. And you have to practice giving thanks. Um, It's just a first, community temperature reading has five different areas, but the first is just expressing appreciations. And I remember we were at a conference uh, uh, with about five, 600 pastors of Chinese, uh, it was in Malaysia, background. They were Chinese Malaysians. And uh, I was looking for a volunteer to, to, you know, practice the skill with me in front of everybody before they would do it in groups of two. And I couldn't get a volunteer. And uh, they'd watched Jerry and I do it. And this the leader raised his hand and said, uh, Pete, it's just, it's just not something we do in Chinese culture. The way we motivate is by criticism. And I thought, gee, that sounds like Italian culture as well. Uh, where, and uh, it's just that idea, it's never enough. And I remember uh, hearing growing up, don't, don't you know, express things or good things are happening to you because you'll get the evil eye. Uh, you can't, this, and you can think about being thankful, just don't say it. Um, and again, just think of Israel. They had a culture of complaining of 400 years as slaves in Egypt. And so when they came out of Egypt, even though they were free, it was in their DNA. And that had to get driven out of them. Again, we like to say Jesus may be in your heart, but grandpa's in your bone. And then, of course, it's not just family of origin, not just culture, but some of us just temperamentally are just are just gloomy. Uh, we see the glass half empty, and uh, we've made sarcasm an art form. And so people say, oh, yeah, Pete, I got the flu. What am I going to say? Thank you, Lord. I got a parking ticket uh, because I was five minutes late to the parking meter. Am I supposed to say thank you, Lord? I'm in a traffic jam. We're in the middle of... COVID-19, am I supposed to say, thank you, Lord? Uh, The holidays go south with my family, or friendships go sour. What do you expect? Am I supposed to say, thank you, Lord? I'm too short, I'm too tall, I'm too wide, I'm too old, I'm too young. Am I supposed to say, thank you, Lord, Pete? And again, I, uh, uh, again, some for some of us, it's just it's a temperament almost. It's just it's such a uh, a way we kind of look at the world. And uh, and here I am. I'm recording this in the midst of a second wave of COVID-19. Uh, and lots of pessimism uh, floating around us right now. And so life is hard. There are problems and setbacks and lots of disappointments. And so our tendency, again, is to be grumpy and discontent and crabby. The challenge is that ingratitude leads to a shrinking heart and a restricting of life, an impoverishment. Uh, and, uh, and so this challenge of being grateful is actually a major spiritual formation issue. It's a major discipleship issue for us and those around us. And so for me, what this has done and led to is I, I just, I, I probably, I don't know how many times a year, 
four or five times a year in my journal, and especially when I'm losing perspective, uh, I will take as in my time alone with Jesus, I will simply focus on and pray some Psalms back to the Lord about giving thanks to the Lord. And then I will make my list in my journal of everything to be thankful for. And I just begin listing and it just, it's, and I'll, you know, I'll share some, some categories in just a few minutes, but uh, it's a communion with God exercise around Thanksgiving. And I find that after a half hour to 45 minutes of doing this, uh, uh, my, I'm seeing clearly again, uh, the fog lifts. Uh, and, uh, and then secondly, I've tried to be intentional about setting up rituals, uh, around giving th- thanks to pr- perspective. And I mentioned at our, at our church uh, on a yearly basis, having an entire service given over to Thanksgiving. Um, and I try to use hol- in transitions of holidays and weddings, Christmases, New Year's, uh, even to me funerals. Anytime there's a transition in life, the big ones, and we get to be present with them uh, as leaders in particular, weddings, funerals, etc., births, just moments of great giving thanks. And and as I said earlier, on a weekly staff meeting, and it still goes on at New Life Fellowship, I don't lead the weekly staff meetings, um, not even at them at this point anymore, but I, I know they start their meetings with that first piece of the community temperature reading, which is let's take some time in which where, how can we give thanks for what God did in the previous week? And uh, so the paradox is, again, the more grateful you are, the more reasons you have to be grateful. You know, studies have shown that if you just, just by being grateful versus grumbling, it adds nine years to your life expectancy. I mean, nine years. It elevates, it, it inspires, it transforms, it just, it just fills life with meaning. And so, again, what we did each year is, is we created a little bit, a little document, uh, which we would hand out as an insert uh, in the bulletin in years ago when there were inserts. And... Um, after giving a little short meditation on gratitude as, you know, it's a sense of thankfulness of receiving a gift. That's really the definition of, of gratitude. And so I acknowledge the goodness of my life and I recognize the source of this goodness is, is coming from outside of me. And uh, uh, and so we would have, I'd create this little document about in, and give people a sentence then. You know, how would you finish uh, this, this statement? You know, one specific way, again, there's actually in a service, one specific way God came to me this year for which I'm thankful. And then there's five categories. And uh, give, I'd give people some time to write down their answers. And uh, then they, they might actually, if they're writing down the answers, they might uh, share it publicly or take it. We'd have a wall of Thanksgiving. They'd pin it on a piece of paper on the wall. But here were the categories. You know, one specific way God came to me this year for which I'm thankful. Now, his first one is health. Just around the whole issue of health, again, physical health, uh, emotional health, mental, intellectual health, uh, spiritual health. I mean, it's just health is a big one. Do you realize God at every moment of every day keeps every human being on earth alive by the by his power? And I mean, he keeps all the, the heart pumping, the lungs working, I mean, our blood flowing. I mean, it's, it is the, our, our brain uh, firing. It's all gift. And so that alone, the fact that I could speak to is a gift. So health is the first category. Just take some time on that one. Uh, the second is people. Just the people, the relationships you have in your life. And uh, this goes everything from uh, perhaps you have you know, a family, extended family, uh, spouse, children. Maybe you had mother and father who uh, are still alive. and uh, your, your family, siblings, friends, uh, mentors, neighbors, community. 
uh, your work, even the people who are the ones who irritate you. Perhaps, quote, we call them your enemies, those who drive you crazy. But just listing all the people and giving thanks for them in your life uh, that you have, because every one of them is a gift. And if not for God having caused you to be born at a certain moment in history, in a certain particular uh, location, in a particular family, and having caused you to meet different people, you would not know these people in your life at all. It's all gift. And third category is around possessions or wealth. And again, possessions and wealth is more than simply uh, things we own, but that alone is its own category. Just, you know, you have an apartment or maybe you own a home, every piece of furniture, uh, the clothes that you have, the shoes, the, the education you've been able to get, uh, the skills that you have to live in and to work, all of them are gift. The country you live in, uh, the fact that there's even a government around you, perhaps, uh, I mean, just think of not having government, uh, anarchy, uh, the fact that there's some restraint, uh, but all the wealth that, that, that you've got, that you, you know, I think of Job, naked you came in the world and naked you shall leave, blessed be the name of the Lord. I mean, anything you have, I'm, on a, I'm, I'm working right now in an office on the third floor of my home. Uh, I see a desk. Uh, I've got this microphone, I've got this computer, I've got this technology. It's all miracles. It's wealth. I've got a heater that keeps this place warm. I see books on the shelf, gift, a copy machine, tremendous wealth that enables me to actually do what I'm doing today, uh, miracles. So i got health, people, possessions, wealth, then just spiritually to give God thanks. Just everything spiritually. And the fact that I know Jesus, my goodness, he... He grabbed hold of my life at the age of 19 and saved me. The fact that he, I was born, uh, my goodness. I mean, he chose me to be born into this world and uh, gave me something to, to, to be and something to do, gift. Um, again, I spiritually, uh, every, anything you know about God is all gifts. Uh, and again, your church, retreats, small groups, your ability, your ability to serve as a gift. Um Worship, I mean, uh, equipping, books, mentors. I mean, it's just spiritually so much to give God thanks for. Um, the fact that I love Jesus is pure gift. Uh, Jesus, the reason that the scriptures say over and over again, you did not choose choose me, but I chose you. Uh, Jesus says that. I mean, the fact that you're born, you're chosen, and Jesus chooses us. And he, and he chooses the 12, and he chooses you. The, the point of, quote, election is gratitude, that he put his hand on you. And the fact that you responded is all grace uh, inside of you. And so I just giving God thanks spiritually, my goodness, that's a, that's a gigantic one. And then my last category, and you can add to these categories. So it's not just health, people, possessions, uh, spiritual, spiritually gifts, spiritual gifts, but it's the last category, which to me is in some ways uh, the most important or most critical, the ones that people get caught up on or tripped up on. It's, it's giving God thanks for trials, losses, setbacks, delays, disappointments, walls. Uh, it's that category of trials, losses, disappointments, setbacks, walls. And really, it says in, it comes out of 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. It says this. It says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And, and that's the great, uh, I believe, challenge for most of us, uh, that even as we're going through difficult times and setbacks, lamenting and we're, we're grieving our losses, we, we're not asking anybody to stuff losses, it's such an important biblical theme, but in the midst of that, I'm giving thanks at the same time. I'm, I'm holding both t- together, 
I'm not splitting them. But I'm not giving thanks for all that. All, I don't give thanks for evil in the world, but I give thanks in it. Uh, because it's it's an approach to life of God, who is good. I'm deeply loved and I'm, I'm a recipient of gifts. And gratitude is an approach to life that we choose. And we can sharpen and, and grow in our ability to be grateful, even though it doesn't come naturally. But it does require slowing down. It requires the practice of consistently uh, surrendering and letting go of clinging to anything uh, as kind of a foundational principle. And, and, and out of that, I see the world differently. So I want, I want to say that again, it does require slowing down. Uh, it does require a, a consistent, regular letting go uh, of, of everything, uh, clinging to these things I must have to be happy, or I can't lose them to be happy. Uh, and out of that, I begin to see the world differently. And so then adversity and afflictions actually become opportunities, and we begin to think differently. But let me give you a few examples and try to, try to bring this home about, you know, giving God thanks in the midst of trials and losses and setbacks. You know, one, one of uh, the most famous stories and uh, that I really served me was by was Charles Colson, who worked during Watergate uh, under the President Richard Nixon many, many years ago. And and uh, 1969, 1973, and he had access to power, a lot of influence, got involved in Watergate, this illegal activity of the government, ends up in prison. And uh, But he found out that it was in prison, he, he, it was where he actually, he, he writes that the real legacy of my life was, he writes, was my biggest failure, that, I was a, that I'm an ex-convict. And that the great humiliation of my life being sent to prison was actually the beginning of God's greatest moment in my life. And the one moment I could not glory in was the moment for his glory. And in other words, he couldn't put the pieces together, but he ends up giving thanks for the worst moment of his life. And again, when I'm in my worst moments, it's, it's the challenge of giving God thanks. I can't see what's happening. But I do know this, God's got pieces he's putting together. And I don't know why God maybe is doing this, but... I, I can give God thanks because he's the sovereign Lord in all circumstances, and somehow he's doing something in the midst of it. Uh, I, I was asked recently by someone, am I uh, bitter or angry about my family of origin and uh, in my home? And I, and I had a lot of pain, and I shared, I think, some of you on this podcast about abuse uh, and really a childhood that was lacking and lost so much that never never happened to me. I uh, so enormous losses for me growing up, but I, I really I've I've only thanks for God for my family of origin um, because it did so much good for me. Um, I mean, so much. It's who I am today. It's, it's part of me, and uh, everything from from the family disappointments to. Uh, but I have great sensitivity to people in pain. I can be preaching and teaching. Uh, and I can feel people's pain as I see their faces because I knew pain so well. And then even my first 17 years as a Christian uh, was very exterior doing basis, you know, doing. It wasn't reflective and in looking at the in, inner life. And so I feel like I wasted years as a, as a, as a Christian even, uh, a lack of serious discipleship. And But it really, uh, and initially I was, I was angry, wasn't thankful for that at all. But then I realized, oh my gosh, you know, God, instead of saying, why didn't you send me a mentor? Uh, I wouldn't have made so many stupid mistakes, uh, but I realize I give God thanks for it because it prepared my soil to receive what we call today as emotionally healthy discipleship. I am so grateful uh, for the revelations that have come out of that and uh, wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. 
Two years ago, I read a book called The Chosen. Uh, it's called Chosen by a, a woman named Edith Egger. And I'm sorry, it's called The Choice, uh, Embrace the Possible. And she wrote this book at the age of 89, uh, 90 years old. And she tells the story of her life. It's basically her memoir. And uh, it was a fascinating book because she ended up getting a PhD, essentially, and becoming a psychotherapist. And she writes this book as a memoir. Imagine that at 89 to 90. But what's interesting is at the age of 16, she was a, a gymnast. And she was actually a teenager living in Hungary in the 1940s. And she was preparing to, to go to the Olympics for the Hungarian gym, gymnast uh, team. But uh, then World War II broke out, and before she knew it, she was sent to Auschwitz uh, for, uh, you know, during World War II and a concentration camp. And by the time that the experience was over, uh, she was, when the, when the camp got liberated by the American soldiers, she was in a pile of corpses. Uh, she weighed 70 pounds, and she was nearly dead. And she was hanging on for dear life, and she was in a, a pile of bodies. Here she was, she's starving to death. These U.S. soldiers are walking around these dead bodies calling out, "Are any? is anybody living here? You know, raise your hand if you're alive. And she can't even raise her hand. And she says, I, I tried to move my fingers to signal I'm alive. I wanted to call out, uh, here I am. Uh, and she goes, I, I could see the streaks of mud on his pants, she writes. And, uh, but his eyes passed over me to, you know, without recognizing me, and, and they left. But then, he, then they returned. And then she was able to just move a little bit. And before she knew it, a soldier picked her up, carried her over his head, and you know, brought her to, you know, whatever, to doctors. And then she ended up, right, you know, living in this life. And so she she reflects back on her life. And and, and I'm just going to read you a couple of lines because they were so moving to me. And I, I think it, it, it creates, again, a, a, a great context for gratitude versus murmuring or bitterness or grumbling. And, uh, and she calls her life the choice. And, and she begins by quoting Viktor Frankl, who also was uh, in the concentration camps, camps in World War II. He wrote a famous book called Man's Search for Meaning. And she quotes him by saying, everything can be taken from a person but one thing, the last of human freedoms, and that is the freedom to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, uh, to choose one's own way. And she says, she writes this, suffering's inevitable, it's universal, but how we respond to suffering differs. You can live in the prison of your past or let the past be the springboard that helps you reach the life you want now. We can choose to be our own jailer or choose to be free. She writes, our painful experiences are not a liability, they're a gift that give us perspective and meaning and opportunity to find our own unique purpose and strength. And she writes this, I refuse to, ref to, uh, to, be, to be determined by my trauma. Uh, I see my painful, oh, she goes, I learned to reframe my trauma, to see my painful past as evidence of my strengths and gifts and opportunities for growth rather than confirming my damage. In other words, giving God thanks in the midst of laments that there's a sovereignty of God moving through this. And so again, I don't thank God for evil, for sin, but I thank God in it for the wisdom of that. That, that to me is a great grace. That, that is the grace of saying grace. Uh, we try to say grace at, at the evening meal, you know, and the part of that discipline is to give thanks, right? It, it's, it's just basically you have a meal before you and you recognize gift. Thank you, Lord. And just taking a, a, a nanosecond to do that, uh, at least once a day, is, is a grace. That Jesus is filling the universe right now with his love for you, for me, for everyone that you're leading, for your family. He showers you. And so I, I receive it. And the whole world is, and the galaxies and the universe is hanging by a hair on the very mercy of God. And so we learn to give thanks. It's like we learn contentment and we rewire our brains and body chemistry. And I'm, I'm not talking about positive thinking. I'm talking about 
seeing God as faithful, sovereign, and good, a deep and abiding recognition that goodness exists even under the worst that life has to offer. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So let me invite you. You, you want to create a culture around you in your family, in the, the ministry you lead, uh, a culture of appreciation, a culture of giving thanks, this deep abiding recognition that everything's a gift. So again, that exercise, let me invite you to do it maybe now, you know, as you listen, as you end this podcast, you know, one specific way God's coming to me for which I'm thankful. And uh, again, just make your list health around number one, health, people, number two, three, possessions and wealth, number four, just spiritual gifts, number five, in the midst of trials, losses, setbacks, delays, disappointments and walls. Uh, remembering that it was in the midst of the great civil war in the United States that Abraham Lincoln issued a Thanksgiving proclamation, a day of Thanksgiving and praise. Uh, wow. So that is our calling. And let, let me invite you to, again, download that ebook, emotionallyhealthy.org slash church culture about building healthy cultures. And let me invite you to look into the emotionally healthy uh, relationships. Uh, that's the part two of the discipleship course and cr- some skills to create a culture of thankfulness. In fact, I think if you go on our website, even our YouTube, our YouTube page, you actually can see session one on the community temperature. And I would encourage you to check it out. So you want to slow down. You want to let go of clinging to anything. Uh, and you want to just open up your hands up towards heaven and say, thank you, Lord. For as Meister Eckhart said so well, If the only prayer you say in your entire life is thank you, it will be enough. God bless you, everyone. Have a great day. 